0: Welcome to the Why Hockey. We don't quite know what to do with our hands periodical podcast because uh, let's focus first though on the hockey world because we don't know what to do with our hands because, well, the Panthers have won six in a row and it is a celebration the that they can find any measure of consistency like this. However, this is Why Hockey, so we're going to talk about things that aren't so good. But I do want to say firstly, because this is a weird stretch because it started immediately after we did our last Who does our
1: marketing with taglines like that? What? Who does our marketing with taglines like that?
0: Me. (laughs) This is why I'm unemployed, kids. Well, you know what? I'm glad I'm not doing the marketing for the All-Star Game in South Florida next year. We'll get to that later, I will assure you. Uh, Such an interesting little stretch for the Panthers. They've won six in a row. I don't think they played their best hockey this season. You and I have been talking about that. As we've watched them go from weird game to weirder game to weirdest game. We were debating doing a show after they beat the Leafs 8 4, which was a game where I don't do any sorts of uh, drugs or drink or anything like that. I am, if you do, if you smoke weed, perfectly acceptable. I have nothing against that. I felt like I got a contact tie watching that game.
1: It, w- it was uh, erratic.
0: Um, sure. Yeah. Well, it was actually like watching the Panthers play themselves and play a slightly inferior version of themselves, at least on that night. Correct. Sure. No, actually sure. not that. It was watching themselves play a version of themselves when they weren't trying is actually what that was. So uh, I, 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 that, was, that was weird. But this whole stretch, and we're going to get to the Panthers, going to get to the Flyers, it's time to get to in this show, but I'll start with this because we're recording this actually after, after Quenville Palooza, which was... Another weird kind of game just for the occasion and whatnot. But here's what I've learned about the Panthers. I don't know whether I could call them good or not. I called them good earlier this year, and then they proceeded to play bad hockey after that, so I'm not going to do that again. What I think I've learned about the Panthers is they're finding ways to win even though they don't really know how to win yet. I think that's the best way that I can put it. What do you think?
1: Recently, yes, but I don't think you could say that overall Well, about I'm talking the season. about
0: this six-game stretch. Yeah. yeah,
1: but, I mean, that could be a variance of things you know who knows what it's for i mean we do know that they are good at playing running gun offense they are good at playing pond hockey the you know every every rush there's four guys in the in the home plate area going to the net like they're very good at that but when it doesn't work out for them they lose and in the playoffs when you get into a series with a team or teams, if you make it past the first round, you need to be able to win different styles of hockey because there's going to be adjustments and readjustments and you're going to have to react to both of those and overcome that to put four game four wins together against a team that, you know, is at least going to be equal to you and, uh, you know, usually... Half the teams are going into the playoffs on some sort of streak with some sort of momentum. And if you line up against one of those teams, uh, it, it could be a short series.
0: Well, yeah, but I think one thing that we've learned in these games is not that they can't win the way that they've been playing. They have the most goals in the league. They're the highest scoring team in hockey, which makes no sense. Like the it it, it
1: makes done. sense because that's all they focus. That's all they think about. There is no puck management. There is no defensive, really defensive positioning. As soon as the one failed clear attempt or like the breakout breaks down, it's chaos for the rest of the shift until they can get a line change or, you know, and once they get a rush and they miss like high and wide and goes the other way. It's either until the next whistle. It's usually just back and forth, back and forth, and you're just asking for trouble when you have five guys on the ice, thinking jump, thinking get on the other side of the puck, get up the ice. And uh, I will
0: say this: I have seen them in the offensive zone cycle better than they have in recent games.
1: Yes, yeah, they I have mean been but...
0: better at that in in recent games, and it's not just you know the top line doing it; the other lines are doing it too. And it's not as if that's a bad thing. I think, no, again, that's, offensive that's, comes easy. They need
1: to, need to be a cycle team. team.
0: They should be, and I, and it, it's, I, I know why they aren't. But Joel Quindle still says it's a work in progress, and clearly, I mean, I watch all of his press conferences after every game. I encourage you all to do that. We told you to do that earlier in the year. You should still do it. But I watched him after the Minnesota game, and the look on his face was like, how the hell did we win that? He, he couldn't really explain it. He was begging the media there to ask him, like, how did you win that when you didn't play well? And obviously it's Panthers employees and George Richards, so it's probably not going to be asked. <laughs> but when you look at, least at, the last at part, at, at least he's, well, the Panthers employees most importantly. But I think that he's acknowledging it. And I know he doesn't want to see his team play run and gun all the time. And the reason why you know they can't defend yet is because they've had multiple big leads in third periods and they do not know how to put games away. That's the big takeaway that I have against the Leafs. It was 7-1. It shouldn't have gotten to 7-4. The LA, I... you know, 4 nothing, and then it became 4-3. The Chicago game was 4-1. They should have put a fork in that game, and they didn't. So that's well, something they have to still learn how to do, which is mildly annoying, but we know they can outscore their problems, at least in some games.
1: Yeah, and and I mean, what happens when they play that, and, and what I think happened here is, Quinville looked at the schedule, knew the break was coming up, saw that there were a lot of winnable games here, and he he could get this team going into the break on with some momentum by playing the way they know how to play right now, and just turning it up, just having, you know, I mean, how many games did they start off with? You know, a couple four-on-twos, a couple of you know, Yandel, Ekblad jumping in all the way into the play, getting shots off, and you know even staying down there a little bit in the zone, trying to win back possession or How uh, did we making see that plays. They
0: went out to one, two, nothing leads within yeah. the first three. Right, minutes. and
1: and that was their their plan was to just put their foot on the gas into the break, get the momentum, and it's it's a nice play. But you saw what happens if you rely on that for too long, uh, especially in the Minnesota game. And
0: uh, I would, yeah, the Minnesota I think
1: the the worst was game in all of this. When, and- when, you're, when you're pushing up constantly, that means you're always back checking. When you're back checking, especially defenders like Brown, Aklad, uh Matheson, who are very physical. They're pushing the forwards and they're being physical towards the net when they're on the wrong side of those guys. They're pushing them into Bobrovsky, into the crease area, and Mm -hmm. that's a negative of always being chasing the play up ice, and then that means you're chasing the play back ice.
0: You, already, you made a point to me that I want to um, go further into here, which is you always talk about, and I think Joe Penville talks about it too, is being on the right side of the puck and how often the Panthers in their own zone, especially the defensemen, are never on the right side of the puck.
1: Right, yeah. You,
0: you see that happen a lot. Now explain, because it's a bit of hockey terminology there that people might not understand. So tell people what that means and why the Panthers are – when you watch other teams that are good defensively, like Columbus is always on the right side of the puck, for instance, right? When you play the Bruins, right. on the right side of the puck. Why are the Panthers, why do they so struggle so much when it comes to getting on the right side of the puck in the defensive zone? And this is why it leads to those extended shifts where they just can't get the puck out and they're under pressure for a minute or it feels like two minutes sometimes.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really just a focus, you know, attention to detail problem or they're – only focused on jumping forward, shooting the break you know shooting up the ice on the breakout and getting into the rush instead of where they are at the check so being between you know the what you want to do is be between the puck and the net at all times and especially in reference to your check so whether it's a man on man or a zone or any variation. Uh, of the defensive schemes uh especially for a defense you're usually in front of the net marking someone or or you know watching someone in the slot um, you want to be between them and the net too and usually you even want to be facing up ice with your you know your toes pointed up to the blue line um and that way you're always going to be facing the slot facing the danger area when passes get put there Um, and that's just basic technique and you know the fundamentals of defense that it doesn't matter what scheme or if you want to play very aggressive offensively or if you want to play very tight defensively you know any system relies on that so Florida it's kind of an individual personnel issue at this point. You're, you're, or it's starting, it's starting to get to. I mean, I think if it by the end of the season, if they still can't get it by the end of the regular season, um, you're going to have to think like, all right, it, it might just be the players just don't have the defensive awareness, just don't have some, that.
0: Some of them don't. Yeah. Them, I mean, I, if you think
1: of, of there's, uh, you know, Stillman is one of the only ones that consistently does it. Stillman obviously has faults and, you know, you defensive liabilities elsewhere.
0: You can yeah. see him make a mistake or two. I want to talk about Riley Stillman. And,
1: and my- I, I think Uyghur does that, too. And after Stillman, he's probably the best, followed by Ekblad. But I think that's why everyone likes Weegar. That's why everyone... That's why he's been able to jump to be the first pairing. That's why he's helped Ekblad because like Campbell, he was very good at that, of just putting himself in the right spot to make it easy. That means you don't have to skate as much. That means you don't have to defend as hard. That means you you conserve energy. You have better views of the ice. You're positioned to transition Mm -hmm. actually better than if you're cheating up the ice because then you're getting passes – The stretch passes are great, but if you think about the angles on stretch passes, the margins are much thinner, and you're also lining your guys up much more likely to get you know big hits, and or you know if it's not a big hit, it's an icing, it's you know a turnover that goes right back the other way, and your forwards are caught off ice you know, it's not, it's something that you live or die by. And right now the Panthers are living by that, but they have a tougher schedule coming up, which I know you wanted to get into.
0: We will get to that, I think, in a second. But there there are there are a lot of things that have been happening in these games I think I want to get to. And you're not going to go over every player, but there's just some individuals, I think. I, I know you want to talk about Riley. Well, still. I
1: think, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think we should start with,
0: With (laughs) Pesic. Well, yes, because you know what's really (laughs) funny about Mark Pesek? You know Jeff Merrick joked about rovers all the time? Yeah. Mark Pesic's a rover. He's just playing wherever he's been asked to play, and because he's a humble hockey guy, he'll do it. It's so funny how he's actually not that terrible and it feels like we're being trolled. Because you know what happens, right? He plays defense (laughs) in the penalty kill, which is odd, but and also the penalty kill's bad. I think we're gonna get to that in a second. On, the, on that fourth line forward, he's not terrible. He's not great. But that line hasn't been, like, tear your hair out bad. And then in the third period, after Matheson makes that awful mistake to give up a penalty, Pesic replaces him on the blue line, and Matheson got benched for the rest of the game. So it's really weird what's happened with Pesic. And I know you probably want to talk about that because we've been on his case for a while. And he's uh-huh. not playing badly, but it's just so funny how <laughs> Joel Quenville's using him and how he's being deployed. You know how I think I could best describe him right now? He's the don't-make-me-play-him-where-I-could-play-you player. You know what I mean?
1: Exactly. And, I mean, first, I, we never were really getting on Mark Pesek. We were just saying that out of all the D, that you kind of have to move to get newer D that focus on a different area of defense and a different area of hockey, yeah, that, that, yes. you yeah. know, like the cap in stuff. And, you know, it's just he was just the odd man out in our eyes it's what man out in what he, eyes. yeah and what he's done is at least made himself indispensable through the you know right now because and, and I think this reflects more on you know the roster that Talon and maybe Quenville or you know whoever else you want to put in there with Talon uh, has made that they don't have enough players. They don't have a def- they don't have defensemen who can play on the penalty kill consistently. They don't, but they also don't have bottom line forwards that Tw- Qu- Quinville puts out. Like Quinville is a coach that he he just wants one line that's neutral that's going to be like nothing apparently. That's going to be his style. He wants a line that he can put out and it's going to be boring hockey that nothing really happens, and then every once in a while they'll. You Know going a little, they'll have a couple games where they get you know in a groove in a rhythm and they're chipping, chasing results in a couple goals, but you know, they'll just be a fan favorite, they'll so just basically chip away. See who
0: Boyle and Pesic is right now, like it's right, here, yeah. decent games where they haven't played badly, you know, but then they'll but have a couple creates... and then Howard and Mulligan will come in, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's fine. And I'm surprised that it's gone as well as it has with this group because I'm not a fan of that line. I like it much better when Harlock and Malkin play. I think we all do. But, I mean, as you say, I, I agree with you. Like, there's, this, there's an element of the Quenville that he just – there's certain players that – it's not that I don't think he doesn't trust them. I think that he knows exactly what he's going to get with those players. And, as you said, if he wants to have a line that's neutral – That is, this is what it's going to be, and I can trust them to do the little things that I need them to do, and I don't have to pull my hair out worrying about that, then that's fine. And when it works, it works. And when it doesn't, and the team needs something from that line that can do more than be neutral, uh, that's when the problems start. And we've seen it happen this year. Like When it hasn't worked, he will change it. But right now he's not going to because they're winning, and he's not going to change anything when they win. So. They'll, I mean, eventually it will happen. But I just find it really funny that Pesek, at this point, has become somewhat tolerable as a forward and somewhat tolerable as a defenseman in a pinch. Even though I still don't like him, and any of those. It's a happen. relative issue. Well, know? it is a relative. Listen, it's a relative issue, and I'd rather Pesek play on the penalty kill than Josh Brown, and that's another story entirely. Uh, second player, I think we wanted to talk about. I joked about it on uh, the. Uh, the mark is uh, trolling good, good for thing.
1: good for Pissick though because you know at the end oh, of the year need he a has new team to next year yeah. he's gonna
0: need a new team next year because Panther's are not going to be able to sign him so, so this is it,
1: this is good for him and you know again, the Panthers are a team that they seem to do well when they have something like I mean this is a most teams truism for sure, but you know when they're do when they're playing for something, like, they need to have something tangible to play for. So, like, Huberto setting the record, uh, Achari. Like, sometimes you'll see Quinville Rye guys like a Pissick, like, because with the leadership group the Panthers have there, guys like Gandel, they build the team, they do team bonding stuff around that, and they get them in good moods, so they get confidence up when it's like, you know something like that happening when it's you know josh brown jumping in and scoring a, a, a goal you know that that's
0: you the, did you they, see the they, bench when Achari got a hat trick it was that, the funniest you know, thing you've yeah. ever seen
1: and then he you know and quinville again he sees that and he just rides it he just pushes on the gas he, he, and he rides Jordan
0: it and you watched all that last night yeah. you notice he how to
1: push the buttons
0: he knows exactly he has a good I think that's this best aspect of coach he's a good tactician but he knows who's going what's working and he'll ride it. He yeah. it's not it's, In- it's, it's 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 not even like gut instinct he can just he can tell and he like, again, you saw he figures
1: when, out how to get the most of it. He gets more mileage out of it than other coaches, I think, would.
0: He is able, and I, well, I want to talk a lot about Glenville later because it's you, you appreciate, I mean, it's relative, again, with the Panthers, but you appreciate just how good of a coach he is and you can see what he's doing. and like You didn't need to prove that he was one of the best coaches in the history of the league, but to see what he's doing in Florida and to see it up close and when you're watching most every game, it it really becomes so apparent to you when you see that. I want to yeah. get to some other players. Uh firstly I want we want to talk about Riley Stillman because we were begging for him to play earlier in the year and now he is it started because Weger got hurt and it's going to be interesting to see what happens when they come back from the break and Weger's eligible to play again but he's I think
1: I the, think you got to take out Brown because I, Stillman's I hope a they, lefty I hope
0: they do, hope they do. And, but uh, what, what about Stillman because they're playing him a lot he's yeah, getting I, a lot of minutes I I think but he's but what you
1: <laughs> They're trying to make up for lost time, I think, because they, I think they realize that,
0: Oops, you know, looking around
1: played? the league, yeah, you're you're seeing Josh Marino and you're seeing how Pittsburgh's getting, you know, patted on the back for playing him right out of yeah. college. You, and, asked,
0: you asked me a couple of weeks ago, did the Panthers have a Marino? And my answer well, was, for a while, it was Weger. Now I guess it's Stillman.
1: Well, I, I mean, guess. like Weger, Well, I, I meant, you know. I don't think Weegar was because it took him. He played in the AHL for a bit to get there. I I think, you know, it's more the guys who can jump in and play at that younger age. You know,
0: he's really good though. That's the other thing. Like and
1: and it's the and it's the play style too. Like he's much more subtle and he's much more um, like vintage strawman but younger strawman like where a lot of people didn't think he was good because he it wasn't always resulting in points but he was getting pucks back yeah he was getting pucks back and he was transitioning up up the ice, and they were getting good scoring chances from it. And that's really what what matters for defensemen, and especially the know, type of defense, defense in,
0: look- in this particular context, Like he makes mistakes. Think- He's a young defenseman. He makes one or two every game. Some of them result in bad plays. Others of them don't. But, well, I
1: think it's because he's being encouraged to play like the other defensemen in in Florida's system, especially right, you know the last six games where every defenseman was basically given the green light every shift, yeah,
0: including and, Josh Brown, which is hilarious. Yeah,
1: right, and but, but you know, green good and zone. good on we, we good on Josh ahead. Brown because he's got be- he's gotten better hands, you know, playing with you know practicing it's Hilarious, right? Well, I mean, you know, when you practice in the NHL every day, you know, it it. It's, it makes a big difference like who you practice with, especially if you he's know, you're still in your mid-20s. It's not like he's dropping off.
0: No, but, but, but what about Stillman? Because he's the kind of, we, as you we said, we talked about him forever. He should have been starting the year with the team, and he almost did. But what about his game specifically? Because I find so interesting like what they're asking him to do. You know, like, he's playing with Stroman. That's, you know, Stroman the babysitter kind of player, which he's kind of done this year. And it, it's not like it hasn't worked. I don't think it's been a bad pairing. There are times when they have issues. But I don't think that, that Stillman has, like, he hasn't played bad enough. Like, he had those games earlier where he was really bad, and then they benched him and they sent him down, and he worked on some things. And now he's playing better. He's playing too much to the point where I don't know if Joel Quenville wants to scratch him. So, like, it's an interesting question now for the Panthers as to what they do, because, I again, I don't think he's been great, but at best, he's not really noticeable, and we mean that in a good way.
1: Yeah, I mean, he just brings something different, and you can tell, you know, he grew up knowing what it you needed to do to make an NHL team, and, you know, if you're not one of the team's top guys this is how you have to play this is how you have to carry yourself on the ice. you know these are the things you have to be good at to keep getting time um, because you know you, you can't be deficient at this because there'll be you know coaches like Quinville who will just you know pick somebody else and put them in the lineup. Um, so I, I, I think you know what he does we talked about being on the right side, of your check or being on the right side of the puck in the offensive zone he does that he's always uh underneath the puck you know as a defenseman you never want to be ahead of the puck which is again you know another term for uh being on the wrong side of the puck and you know
0: Get between your man and the puck. Yeah, and
1: and he stays in between the dots. He's not out on the boards. He's not far from the center of the ice, so he can support his partner more. Most importantly, but he's also, uh, you know, supporting everything because at the end of the day, it's all coming through the middle, and that's the danger part of the ice, and you got to protect that. Uh, On rushes, he doesn't gaps
0: too. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. On rushes, he doesn't get. You know, he doesn't let them back in. I mean, on that. On a couple of the goals, you know, the Florida Panthers defensemen just keep backing in, backing in, and they let the guy take a shot from inside the tops of the circles instead of above the tops of How the many circles. Times,
0: let's, let's, if you're going to go back to just some of these these goals you see in the stretch, it's like the defensemen are backing in, the gap isn't good, and you can and and these players are too good now, so you can't give yeah. them that, and that's happened. Yeah. Don't let months. them
1: think about what they want to do. Make them have to instinctively decide as they're crossing the blue line. I mean, ideally you want to be stepping up before the blue line, but, um, you know, try to step up as close to the blue line as possible. And, and Stillman does that. Uh, he's got the ability to skate, um, you know, well enough on his edges, pivot in and out um, and handle somebody who's skating forward while he's skating backwards. Cause it's much easier to change your direction, go from, you know, fast, in one way, all the way to, to full speed, then yeah, in the opposite direction. That it's a lot easier doing that forward. But when you have to skate backwards and pivot to forwards, or pivot from forwards into backwards, you're losing momentum. You're losing energy.
0: And if you and, lose a split second, yeah. right now you're cooked.
1: Yeah, because it's you know it's hard to get, gain speed going backwards. You know that someone skating, you know Nick L- Lidstrom skating his fastest backwards, you know isn't going to be faster than a lot of NHL forwards right now skating full speed forward. And Nick
0: Lindstrom skating backwards is yeah. a unique skill that almost no one else in the history of yeah. this game has. Yeah. So I mean,
1: that- it, it. that's why you see a lot of defenders like these days, like uh, Colorado's defenders, like uh, Makar and stuff, they'll Prefer to stay skating forward because they such an. Al- they they have the advantage if they're skating forward over forwards, that they can make up ground Again, on them. They can nobody nobody take nobody's them quite out, like yeah.
0: Car in terms of skating from the blue line, and that's another thing that you have. Yeah,
1: I mean there there's getting more and more, and I'm not saying Silman's that good, but you know those.
0: Definitely, he has a little burst in his skating. You can see it, like when he needs to react to go after a puck in the corner, he can get there.
1: Yeah, the Panthers defensive and don't, aren't any, there's no new age skaters on the back end. Eckblad has a traditional skating. He doesn't do as many Mohawks. He he doesn't have that ad agility that a lot of kids who were born and always played under the new rules, uh, had figure skating instructor coaches and all of that, they are... You know, like these newer crop of players.
0: Matheson is players. the only one that gets close to it,
1: and he's. I mean, I would, I would enough. say, yeah. I mean, he, I just think he doesn't use his skating to his benefit, no. but so he could. Really when he was, about... when he was at the top of his game, he did. When you and you know was funny about, at you, F- know, F- you know, you just kind of Matt forget F- about F- that because no, you haven't cool. seen it in a while.
0: Of course, but you know what the funniest quote about Aaron Ekblad uh, had about Mike Matheson. I think I heard it during the Minnesota game, or, it was or Detroit. I can't remember which game it was, but. He said, you know I like playing with Mike Matheson? He's not afraid of making mistakes. And when I heard Goldstein say that, I'm like, sure. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> wow. You don't say. And then, and then in the game against the Wild, he proceeds to make a really terrible mistake, and he doesn't see the ice the rest of the game. Which, again, quite interesting. He was playing decently before that, which yeah. says a lot. Can we say that Aaron Eckblad should have been an all-star? Like, he's he's been so good this season. You know, we, we he's talked...
1: Been, he's been really good. I think it's just shielded by how bad the rest of the unit has been, like, conjunctively. And he hasn't really helped that either. He's known for his uh, costly penalties and errors and stuff like that, too. Uh, yes, at times. And, but, but,
0: but he's minimized them. The Minnesota game was one yeah. where I was like, he was noticeably bad but more often than not he has not been noticeably bad he has like the play to set up vetrano uh, last night i think night.
1: he's an almost all-star i think he's the guy that gets a call if a defenseman can't make it i think that's kind of the he level he should have been an
0: all-star he should i mean he's not that i don't know if he's consistently this well, the, you have to
1: remember that the all-star cr- criteria now is so much different. There's only so many D for three-on-three by division yeah, tournaments obviously. where but every I mean, normal every universe. team has to have a representative. And, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. So, I mean, in that nature, I don't think he's a defenseman because, you know, you have to – I think – you really have better to be
0: Headman and McAvoy and, yeah. and like that, and he's well, not. But he, he might be
1: better than McAvoy this year, but
0: um, maybe as I said. No, I don't know about Headman or. Well, poor Morgan Riley broke his foot after he had his jockstrap taken out by Conor McDavid on that one goal. Um, but I will say that he has played. He we asked the question this year: How many of the Panthers' best players can take a step forward? Eckblad took a step forward this year. And that's and that's what you wanted to see. Whether I think
1: most of them have. I mean, Dadnoff has played fantastic. Well, I
0: mean, you know, we always had the debates about whether you keep Dadnov or Hoffman. There's no debate who you keep. It's obvious who you keep.
1: Well, yeah. Now it's just about the question is, do you? What do you do with Hoffman?
0: You keep. Um, I, I don't. I personally, I don't think because you're in a playoff race, you don't trade him. I don't think you care if you let him walk because I think
1: I think you just try to get like a mid-round mm-hmm. pick for his rights or something at the yeah, draft that's fine draft yeah, just and you just take crazy. his playoff goals or his hopeful playoff goals or down the stretch goals uh, yeah
0: and you get a third round pick for him and you move and you move on because again as we said owen Tippett could be that ahl all-star owen Tippett next yeah. year like he's replaceable and you looked at his goals above i think it was i don't remember if it was sean Tierney or if it was evolving wild i can't remember but you looked at his numbers, like, you know, like goals above replacement or expected goals or something like that, and he's really negative, which he's kind of like Phil Kessel in that way, and he's not making the stupid pass at the top of the zone as much as he has in recent games, although he's still doing it, and it almost always leads to an odd man rush the other way, and it's really frustrating, um, but you don't trade him now. I mean, you need him for a playoff race, and he's going to do things, but he is replaceable. That's yeah. the kind of player you can easily replace, yeah, and it's just not set is replacement. Yeah. I don't think they've, they've already
1: made a lot of marginal extensions and yeah, I, I long-term think that contracts that As they I said, can't and They're not
0: going to come back. There's just not enough room for them. And the cap's only going to go up like maybe 2 million at most. So they won't have enough room. But I mean, again, if you're keeping somebody, you keep that off. He leads the team in goal. It's not even just. He and the he's, team
1: and he's the one that's likely to take, to be a, reasonable contract
0: he might not ask for much of a raise like he's only being paid and he
1: might only he might be fine with three years because you know he took
0: a three year the first time and he's in a comfortable position
1: he can always go back and make millions in in russia
0: yeah and i think that he's already probably made a ton of money in russia when you look at but again it's also just what he does like he might not be the best defensive player but offensively i mean
1: He's he has, one of the most
0: underrated offensive players that we have right now. He has not chemistry
1: just, with the two best players on the team, and Hubert and Barkov. And that's really the only thing that matters, is he well, has chemistry with them, and he, it, it leads to
0: production. Well, it, it shows. So, can, you, can, you, can we talk about just, like, watching them play right now? It doesn't even feel like sometimes when they're, when they're not having their best night, they'll have one or two shifts where they're just doing things with the puck and the defenseman. Who are watching them have just giant eyes. Like, what are we supposed to do here? You know, like they, they, again, the other players who you know we asked, like, could they find another level? Both of them have. I don't even think it's even that special for Barkoff, and he's having a very good season. But Huberto's just having such an amazing year that it's 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 remarkable to watch them play. Like they, they'll break Quenneville will break them up for like a game or two, then he'll put them back together, and everybody's happy again, and it's really funny. And it's just like they, they just continue. And, and Huberto at the All-Star game is going to be great. He deserves it. I'm happy that Barkov's not going, so now he can get 12 days of rest and be healthy. He even said that. So good on you, Sasha. You're thinking what we're thinking. Uh, yeah. It, it, when we asked before the season, could they play any better than they played last year? And the answer is apparently yes. And that's why the Panthers are where they are, because that line gets better and better every time you watch them play. And It's, 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 it's something that you, you don't necessarily appreciate as much as you should while it's happening.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, Huberto is definitely responsible him. for him. Uh, keeping Trocek out of the limelight and uh, getting so Achari he going. He's
0: playing a heck of a lot better lately than he has been, like, maybe some of it was the ankle injury, but since... Yeah, I
1: mean, a lot of it was the ankle injury. You just tell by the way he skated and the way he went in the corners, you know what I mean? Like, it just yes. wasn't... It, it's it's, like it's Huberto, taking it it's took him still a while taking. After the time.
0: injury to, to to get back to what he thought he would, but he and and I think Lager.
1: Trocek came back early earlier than he should oh, have. Yeah, where yeah, Huberto came back. back at the right time. I think Huberto came back at the right time.
0: There's no doubt that Trocek came back early from that, but I also think like just the way he's playing now, I think Joe Quenville has figured out what works with him, and how I can harness this unique skill set that he has. And make it work, and, and it's achari
1: and Connolly, Which makes two guys no who sense. just stay out of the way.
0: It's really it makes no sense, but it, mean, it has worked, and that's why Joel quenville is an amazing coach. Because would you have ever thought that that was the line that would make Vincent Trocheck? Yes,
1: hundred percent. And I mean, we talked about it. He needs guys that don't need the puck that much, but can get it back and can finish, and can go to, to apparently yeah. achari can do that. Yeah, I mean, at least this year he can. And, oh, it's not going to
0: happen again, but it's hilarious this year. He's
1: the guy that covers for Trocek defensively, that just basically does whatever Connolly can't work himself up to get the courage to do. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, yeah. not the, I don't know about courage, the
0: uh, he, he, the he desire the guy to guy do. likes to do those sorts of things. Yeah,
1: yeah, Connolly is more just like he likes to just hang out you know, play, get the pass, and and give give the puck back and stuff. But he's just out there to just score goals. He's yeah, he's he there
0: literally. He's not Phil Kessel, and he, he, he wins. Like he wins
1: board. He's good in board battles and that kind well, of there's stuff. There's
0: underrated elements to his game. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He's not a one-trick pony, but it, it it's amazing how you watch him fit in. But they
1: gave they gave Trochuk a line where him wanting to do all the work and just hold all the puck and go everywhere on the ice plays to the str- plays to the weaknesses of God, the other players.
0: God bless you, Joel Quenville, for figuring that out. Because The problem
1: is, like, that's not- I don't know if that- what that- what that means. What does that ultimately mean? If that's how you have to use Trocheck, uh, that means you need a new second-line center? That means, you know, because then you have to find – because that's like a third line. That can't be a second line. That can't – you know, you, have to, you can't give that almost 20 minutes a night. Uh, as I said,
0: I think what Joel Quindle's really good at is figuring out what works in the moment and capturing that and riding with it.
1: And it's going to be on talent to give him a better moment.
0: I think, I think. that that's coming. Uh, are we still, I still think that Trocek is better as a winger. And I, I agree with you on that. And, but right now, I mean, if we're just talking about it as we sit right now, Trochak's playing the best hockey he's played in two, three years. So it, it works. As I said, the long-term questions are long-term, and it's a question that they have to ask. And I'm sure Joel Quindle and Dale Talent are And, of, of
1: course, it's why hockey. so all I care about is long-term.
0: <laughs> yes. But, I mean, for the sake of this argument now, short-term he's playing good hockey, and they found a role for him that makes sense which is you know what no coach Gallant did a little bit
1: but, but then but it just it, it just moves it's like one of those games where you go. have to move the blocks and there's always one missing block so you can always have a space it's
0: like jenga
1: you know and you just kind taking of move the blocks
0: it. away but you don't know which one's going to cause the tower to fall you know and at this point the jenga it's tower like has don't to fall. break the
1: ice that's it's a good one yeah, that's
0: a good one <laughs> or operation don't touch the dude on the side, or else his nose will glow red.
1: I think that's the Bill Peters version.
0: Ah, yeah, gross. Hmm. Anyway, we now must talk about Sergei Bobrovsky and goaltending again, because it wouldn't be a Panthers podcast if we didn't talk about that. I will refer to all to the Allison Lucan piece in the Athletic, which I hope you all read. If you didn't read it, I don't know what you're doing, because it talked about why Bobrovsky has struggled more with the Panthers than he did with the blue jackets and there are a lot of reasons for it and we don't want to toot our own horn here but we're going to because that's the kind of people we are uh, absolutely we, <laughs> yes we would try to say it in the nicest way possible but there was one thing in that piece that was just so evident I think it was I don't remember exactly what the stat it was but it was like it's it was not game score it was what the defensive chance is allowed basically and if you looked at the bottom three teams in the chart the last three years of the Florida Panthers. And so you asked the question about Sergey Bobrovsky, and we said he's facing a higher-quality workload. And I talked about it with Sean Tierney. Um, I said, how can we quantify, like, well, he's not facing, like, oh, he's getting barraged every game, but he's facing just incredibly high-quality shots. And so and the <laughs> way that the Panthers play defensively, it doesn't suit his strengths. So that's why he gets hung out. to and they LA, pile a lot. LA. Oh, yeah, they add up very, very quickly.
1: And, you know, like they happen in bunches with the Panthers. That's, that's, how, they, that, that's how they play.
0: Um, sadly, it is how they play. Uh, but I think that that was one of the best um, approximations of that that right. we've seen. I'm now going to give you the piece because I'm going to quote yeah. from it now. It's defensive performance year by year. Okay. So you look at, like, what is, like, the shot quality against – the last three years of the Florida Panthers are all the worst on this chart by far.
1: That makes complete sense. And yes. when you look now, at what Bob Bugner is doing with San Jose and their defense and Holy as an interim co- coach, and you see the same results, it's like, yep, makes sense. It's like, well, you know, this type of defensive style with these, you know, with, you know, it, it, it's it almost makes like sense.
0: you're watching just an inferior version of last year's Panthers with the Sharks yeah. right now, which can't say we didn't warn you but you know what's interesting about this is that the last two seasons for the blue jackets they still gave up pretty high quality chances not as much as this year's panthers or the last two years but um not last year as much but 16 17 17 18 one of his vesda trophy seasons the blue jackets weren't a great defensive team and you look at them this year The Blue Jackets are really good defensively. And they have to be because they have no choice with the injuries they've had and the team they have. And so that's a good coaching job by John Tortorella. And then not only does she give you that, you look at the puck movement. She gives you the clips. She talks about the lateral passes, east-west cross-ice, you know, Royal Road passes. How many times do the Panthers give those up? They don't cut those out. And Bobrovsky, how often do you see Bobrovsky moving over, moving over, moving over, and he can't move over enough to get a shot? Kane goal I mean, last night was one of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's every game. It's what we've been saying. I mean, we don't have the access to the private data. We don't the, obviously sit down and film. We, we don't obviously sit down and track all that stuff. Um, and... You know, but we we see it, and we can express like the you know the general principles that work here and and what's going on, and it's kind of now being borne out in the numbers, so when we say that you know this this the way they're playing to get these wins right now are can they can win games like that in the short term, but long term it's going to lead to poor results. This is what we're talking about like this is. It's a sugar rush basically. Um, yeah. Exactly. And the the, be, the best recipe for that is to just address some of the D personnel or figure out a way to win with scoring less goals and playing more defensive minded hockey. And so, I know
0: that that's hard to do and I'm and and I don't know whether it's like this team is – well, here's the other thing that we talked about with the Panthers, right? Defensively, I think we mentioned it in past years. When they're good defensively, they're, they're pretty good defensively. They don't give up shots. They don't give up goals. But then once one goal goes in, it snowballs really, really quickly.
1: Right. You know? It's a chaotic team. And if you look at, you know, even when you were saying that, you know, CBJ the last couple of years with Bob, they weren't the worst, but Bob did – Really well, and because you know, what, they,
0: in the end, what John Tortorella's system asks of his team, particularly his defensemen, is very different than what the Panthers are asking of their defensemen, yeah. right? And, and it's, look, it's less chaotic.
1: It's less, yeah,
0: it's far less chaotic. And watch any Columbus game, and the game looks dull because the Blue Jackets are in control in the defensive zone. They say we'll give you the edges, but you're not getting anywhere near the middle. Right? Why?
1: Why is Bobrovsky moving around so much in net?
0: Ka- chaos is
1: movement. Chaos is movement. The more chaotic the D zone is, the more chaotic the turnovers are and the pace of play and everything, the more Borowski has to move. The longer the shifts are and the harder the work is, the higher danger the shots are. All of that stuff, it adds up. And, you know, it's, it's amazing that he's kept them into so many games. I mean, if you look at the beginning of a lot of these wins... Um, he kept them in games to get that first goal when they were doing a couple odd man rushes, missing the net, coming the other way, giving up odd man rushes and he was making big saves. It allowed them to keep playing that way until they could score first. And, you know, maybe at the end of the third period, he gave up one goal he should have had over four out of four, but that, you know, he's not going to save them all. And, I think oh, there's a lot of Florida Panthers fans that have a dip, that don't see the difference between it would be nice to get a big save there versus he should have had that. There's a difference that's, between actually, That's a
0: really good way to play. Like
1: Bob Bob it would have been really nice if Bob stopped that fourth goal, you know, two game back. It would have been really nice, but it was another high danger shot. He was going side to side and Yandel literally just waved at the puck and moved out of the way at the last minute goes from like screening to not screening kind of mask the shooting motion of the of the opposing player and it goes high while Bob's sliding low and like you know, you he, he could have maybe player. got it he could have got it, and but, like, he only gets it 9 out of 10 times. And if it's that 1 out of 10 times or the 2 or 3 out of 10 times he doesn't get it, but it's a very difficult shot to save, like, is, does that mean it's his fault? Or is it just means, like, yeah, it would be nice, and maybe you would get bigger saves out of Bobrovsky if he wasn't already using all of his big saves in the first and second period to keep Correct. you in the game.
0: You know, that's the best way I've seen you, anybody put it it would be nice to have a big save there versus that's a bad goal he gave up. You know, right. I think yes. a lot of the goals that Bobrovsky's given up, and he hasn't played up to his standards, let's be fair, but a lot of that is also on the team in front of him. I think that a lot of the goals he's given up this year are definitely more of the, well, it would have been nice if we had a big save there, and maybe I could have had that. But if you're catching Bobrovsky in a candid moment, you're probably going, well, actually, in fact... He had very little chance because the Panthers' defense is chaotic, and there is no piece of yeah. chaos when you're playing behind that.
1: Yeah. I mean, when it's your fourth time going, stretching to the back post, trying to make a blocker save, and, you know, the minute long shift because a line can't get out of the zone and it goes in, like, you know, there is a little bit of wear down in that and goaltending, and there is a little bit of that frustration mentality and the emotion. And the, uh, of it, uh, you know, we all know Bob is, I don't want to say emotional, but he is very passionate and involved and competitive in games. And the more chaotic and the more high intensity the games are just like in the regular season now, like you're just going to wear them out. You're just going to – because you can only stay sharp and – like in that zone for so long before it starts to like wear you down.
0: Mm. It's, it's, you know what? That's, you know, it's like good,
1: it, it's kind of like if you're in fight or flight all the time.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, like, it's a good way like you put theory? it because I, I, I don't think I had seen it defined like that until you defined it like that. That's a, it's a good way of putting it. And that's why you look at it as, I'm just a Bob,
1: Bob believer.
0: I know you are a believer in him, and you were saying this earlier, and I think, listen, can he play better? Yes, but I think also a lot of that. And what, what you try to do and what we try to do here is to try to put things in context and put everything together, and it's hard when you isolate and you see, Bobrovsky's goal saved above average is minus nine whatever, and that's great, and as somebody who comes from a journalistic background and my background, I always look for context. So, okay, my first question after seeing it is, why is it like that? So then I, you know, we, I try to look for numbers. I try to look in, you know, what little I could say in terms of watching highlights and film to say, why would this happen? And you, because you've played hockey at some level, you're able to tell you, okay, here's how everything goes in context, and here's how everything works together, and here's then how something like Bobrovsky having his struggles can be chalked up to, oh, the defense behind him, in front of him, is causing this chaos and making it so dark and that's, and, and it's a very good point you've made there. And I think that that's something that it's hard to quantify because we just don't really have good data to support it. And it's hard to qualify because there's a certain element of watching the film that most people can't do. You know what I mean? Like most people aren't going to be scouting the film and going, oh, well, this is happening, you know, with the defensemen. And you're able to see that. And it's also putting it in the language that people can go, oh, yeah, I see that. And that's why you're saying, oh, maybe that's a save he could have had. It would have been nice if he had it versus that's one he should have kept out.
1: Right, yeah. Because and, and it, it's not as black and white. And, you know, if he's getting 100 shots and some of that is, what, three? That's like three games, you know, of shots.
0: Three to four games.
1: He's going to be, you know – a. Giving up eight goals is is good. So like he's still going to give up goals if he's playing very good.
0: Yeah, and, and that's just because in the NHL right now, offenses are just so good. Yeah. And also, I mean, listen. I mean,
1: you- three, four, four goals a game is starting to become normal in the NHL.
0: I mean, the um, Panthers right and, now and, are leading the league in scoring, and they're four is the new three. Yeah, and that's the rules changes. That's the goalie equipment shrinking, and that's fine. Like you can still play like the Blue Jackets, where you or the Stars, where the system creates dead hockey, and you know, but you rely on your goaltender a lot if that system breaks down. You know, the the Panthers—they've gone the opposite way. We'll go run and gun, and kind of like you know.
1: You can do that with a better team defense and everything. You just need to get guys who can play that way and yes. still maintain the defensive end. The Panthers just don't really have... I mean, they, they're they starting to get better at it, and you can see, like, the overall trend. Like, Bobrovsky's overall play, you know, any, you know, whether you think he's been good or bad this year, you can see that he's getting better. You can see at least that the team is playing better together. They're playing more cohesive, maybe not defensively or maybe not at some point you, you have a problem with something they do, but they're playing more, they're all on the same page more often. And things like that is, is trending the right way. Mm. Of course. And that's
0: Joel Quenville who, by the way, he's not going to win the Jack Adams, but I'm more impressed with Joel Quenville than, I mean, I never followed the Blackhawks so closely, but how can you not be like, just go with Joel Quenville, this is why he's one of the best coaches in the sport ever. Because he, he figures it out, he understands, here's what I have to ride, here's what I have to work with, and knows, here's where I can make these little tweaks, I'm not going to try to change everything all that much, but you can tell pretty quickly, like, this is what his imprint on the team is, and I, I it, it is just, it's even more impressive when you watch it up close, is basically, I think, what I've learned, in Quenville, and we talked about it, he doesn't BS you, he doesn't sugarcoat things, he tells you what's happening, and that's good for his team. Like, His team is filled with a lot of players. They're not an old team, but they've got a lot of players who haven't won a lot and had things sugarcoated for them a lot. Joel Clanville doesn't do that. It's the perfect tonic for the team in the situation when they needed it the most, which is this year, right? When they felt the pressure, now they've started to figure it out. Now they're comfortable in the way that they're playing, and that's important as you start to get to games where well, they need to be comfortable in the playing because the, the schedule in February, we've talked about it before, but here it is. They start with Montreal. Then they have a back-to-back against Toronto and Columbus. Arguably, two of the most important games they're going to play because you're playing and, your team, you're directly. And that home.
1: first game back is a trap game, especially against Montreal. Oh, where, it's a Saturday afternoon. So, the Canadians
0: are bad. It's, it's a weird game. Then so I, I think play. that's
1: a tough. That's three tough games.
0: Yes. Then you come home, you play Vegas. Vegas is weird um, with DeBoer. I will get to that in a second. Then you play Pittsburgh, and they're playing really well, although the Panthers have played them well this year. That's a team they never used to play well again. Then you go on the road to play the Flyers. Huge game because the Flyers are competing with you. Then New Jersey right after. Trap game because the Devils stink, and it's a road back-to-back. Then you play the Flyers at home again. Huge game. Then you play Edmonton. Big game. Then you have a five-game California plus Vegas-Arizona road trip which is always tough. And even if all the California teams are bad, that is not an easy stretch, no matter what happens. It's like, doesn't matter how bad the Florida teams are, going into Florida and playing Tampa and Florida on a back-to-back is gonna hurt you. And then you come home to play Toronto and Chicago. And then that homestand continues, I believe it's Calgary, then Boston, then Montreal. Like this is a brutal stretch of the Panthers. There's almost no room to breathe. In this particular stretch, they play Vancouver, who is not great. But I mean, they leave the Pacific. As the Pacific bad. Toronto, who, as we have seen, if they don't show up, they don't show up, and you can put eight past them. Then the Kings, who are bad. Then the Red Wings, who are the worst team we may have ever seen in the cap era. Then Minnesota, who is not. Very <sighs> I don't good. think
1: so. I think there's
0: Oh definitely some
1: like teams. It? Well, really I remember bad, being though.
0: worse. And then, and then Chicago, which is an emotional game, but the Blackhawks aren't exactly a league juggernaut, so they haven't played a ton of great teams in this stretch. But you can't begrudge them. You have to win who you play, and now they have well, to play. Th- this month of February for them is brutal. But if they come out playing a better version of what they're good at, they can. I'm not saying then I believe. What? then I'll believe. Yeah, then you well then not only can you believe, but you could start to think okay, maybe they are actually going to put this away pretty early. Like right now, they are not above the fray because they had the same points as Carolina. When Carolina's got the first wild card, they're two points back of the Islanders. Keep an eye on the Islanders too because that's a team you should you keep your eye on. They're one point back of Tampa, but Tampa's got games, got a game in hand. So, there are only right now three teams that you are are automatically are in Boston, um, Montreal, uh, not Montreal, Boston, Washington, and Pittsburgh. Tampa's probably in, but they still have a little bit of work to do. And then after that, it is a free-for-all. Because two teams are going to be really good to miss the playoffs. Because Toronto's got 57 points right now. Toronto, when they play their best, is pretty damn good. But they're not good right now. And then you have also, like, right now, who's out? Like, are The, the Flyers, I think, are out. And they're, like, they don't have... Toronto's out. The Toronto's out, and the Flyers are out, and right now what the Flyers are is they have an amazing home record, and they've been terrible on the road, but their worst road games are done. They don't leave the Eastern time zone, but once the rest of the regular season. So, that's what I'm saying. Like These games are tough. Now, if the Panthers come out on the right side of it in February by the trade deadline, this team could be cooking with gas but they could also be in deep trouble by the end of February because they play a lot of the teams they're competing with.
1: The biggest thing is don't lose two in a row. Don't lose two in a row. Just keep if – you, if you start losing two in a row, you start losing momentum, you stop moving forward, and you allow other teams to catch up or you stop building separation. And, you know, you can't – what Florida always gets in the habit of doing is asking for favors of other teams. Like, you always see tweets like, oh, Boston didn't do us any favors last night and stuff. Like, you know, that's...
0: Nope, take care of your own business.
1: The one year where they got, what was it, like 96 points or whatever. 17-18 where
0: they relied on the Devils to get one loss and it never came. Right. Like, you you can't have that happen. Yeah.
1: Like, you know, there's too much money on the line for this franchise. And there's too much, uh, I think... I guess this is part of the money, but too much for the tickets and the fan on growing the fan base relies on this team making the playoffs this year that you, you really need to do something. I mean, the all-star game is coming here next year. You need to get into the playoffs. You need to not get embarrassed in the first round and start building forward. You know, that would put a great stamp a, you know a great bow at the end like, of the first that, year like, transformative happened. year you build through that the all-star game is a great way to build you know through the off season gets season people, tickets
0: people people i mean a lot of people are like oh the panthers are they have no attendance i saw a jesse specter tweet by the way like it was the, the the thing the sports industrial complex has done worse in america is making it seem like if you don't show up you're a bad fan and it's like, in Florida, if you're bad for as long as you've been bad, no one's going to show up. And people are like, why are you giving it to Florida? Nobody shows up at their games. Hey,
1: listen, Florida fans, there's like 20 people who listen to this. But
0: well, it's more than that.
1: Buy season tickets next year so you can get an All-Star Game ticket and then sell the All-Star Game ticket because you'll probably be able to pay for a lot of your season tickets or at least the parking by selling that All-Star Game ticket.
0: Oh, Yeah. You might be able to, and, I mean, but also, let's talk about the All-Star game for a second. Like, it, it is what it is in terms of an event, but there are very few markets where it would legitimately mean a lot. It, it'll, it'll mean a ton for the
1: pack. And it's better than an outdoor game, because less can go wrong.
0: Well, here's the thing. I've said about an outdoor game is that I want them to play in it, but my, my guess now that they have an All-Star game is who they're going to play is they're going to play the Lightning, but it would be a road game. It would be a Raymond James Stadium. And... If the Panthers and Lightning play in the playoffs, which there is a non-zero percent chance that that happens this year, maybe next year, if the Panthers are good enough, you can have the Panthers have the All-Star game and then have them play in an outdoor game at Raymond James Stadium against the Lightning and have the Panthers start getting marquee events. And that's why this this end of the season is so important because they can prove a crap ton to the NHL, to the market of South Florida, if they do that now again i'm also really intrigued to see what is the attendance like when they come back and they play vegas like because the attendance has noticeably ticked up a little bit like i i always check the game sheets to see what the attendance is for the last couple of games the attendance usually it's like eleven thousand for weeknights it had been at the start of the year now it's at like 12 so it's ticking up a little bit when they play these home games coming up they're playing big teams you know vegas a lot of things happen with the Golden Knights. Even Gallant's not there anymore. Pittsburgh, people, there's always going to be that. Then the Flyers, you get visiting fans when the Flyers show up. Edmonton on a Saturday afternoon, that should be pretty good. Toronto, Chicago, you got big teams coming to South Florida. The attendance could really start to take a, a, a step up. And if the team continues to respond, then they will. And that's going to make things particularly interesting. Um, but I, I, the, the other good thing about the All-Star game next year is, hey, there might be three Panthers in it sasha Barkov only has to drive 30 minutes down the sawgrass expressway to get to sunrise and that's great you know he lives in boca he doesn't have to leave his favorite sushi restaurant which i think i've eaten at multiple times i can't even uh i can't remember but i think i have right otherwise they don't have to drive far guberto does have to drive five like 20 minutes from where he lives in fort lauderdale probably yeah, also bob oh, no, will be
1: no there it'll gonna, be great
0: you know you know no one's gonna skip out on it because it's south florida and everyone's going to want to go to South Florida in the middle of January.
1: Well, they'll have no excuse. I mean, like, you can't, well, because, like, they'll skip out on it. And then Gary Bettman will be walking the beach and be like, hey, wh- what are you doing here?
0: <laughs> I know. <'Cause> it's like, <laughs> <are you> <laughs> Where oh, else will we having be going? He'll be having a Mai Tai at Hollywood Beach. And, you're, and he's going to go, wait a minute. I thought you were skipping out on the All-Star game. Why are you here?
1: I, I did. I, I thought it was, um, it was pretty good.
0: Well, I tried, at least. But, I mean, it, it'll be it'll be good for, for the Panthers next year. Like, an all-star game is exactly what this market needs. And if they make the playoffs, then you, you build on it even more. And they will sell ticket packages based on um having the all-star game, which is great. And, uh, you know what, then maybe they'll make money to uh, invest in other things that they need to do, like having uh, studio shows during away games, uh, during the intermission. Anyway, uh, other things I think we should get to in terms of the world of hockey... I wanted to say something about the Leafs because it's so funny how when you watch the Panthers play the Leafs and, as I said, it's like watching the Panthers if they weren't trying. You know when you said a couple years ago and we said a couple years ago what happens when all of your defensemen play the same way and how much of an issue that is and it's one of your biggest, uh, like, talking points? Is Toronto now not the biggest example of what happens when all your defensemen play the same way?
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean...
0: Just, they have injuries. but there's,
1: it, there's a lot of teams. Winnipeg's another one.
0: Well, they just don't have defensemen. But, I mean, Toronto, yeah. like, there's so much expected of them. But, like, other than Jake Muzzin, do they have defensemen that play differently? Because Riley plays the same way as Barry, and he plays the same way as Dermott, and, you know, whatever you want to say about CC and Marincin. Like, when you watch the Panthers play against them. <laughs> they just them, don't play. They just uh. don't play. <laughs> Correct. I mean, when, when you watch the Panthers play against them, and you go like, "Am I watching the Panthers?" Like, yeah, the it's very similar. Were hysterical in that game, and the Panthers are good enough to take advantage of it. But you were just going like, "What in the name of all that is holy are you doing, Leafs?" They need defensemen who do different things. Like, and 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 I say like, analytics are great, but I think the one thing they've done with defensemen is they've is they put a premium on a certain type of defenseman, which is good. You need them but you need defensemen that can do other things. Basically, what Carolina figured out is we can have good puck possession defensemen like Jacob Slavin, but they do other things than just rush the puck up the ice.
1: Exactly. That was
0: the biggest mistake Florida made a couple years ago was they got too many defensemen that rushed the puck and not passed it and weren't good in possession because, well, they take a lot of shots or they're great because their team's offensively dominant. No, they're good defensively and they're good at puck possession. There's a difference, and I think we're starting to be able to ascertain that now just a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think it's starting to come to fruition. I mean, when you look at the types of defenders uh, drafted in the later first rounds and second rounds, you're starting to see that shift more in those types of defensemen, Uh, sometimes early third rounds if they're European (laughs) because they don't like to draft them. They're you know, like, second round's a lot of like, oh, this is the third tier kid on the U.S. national de- development team. I bet you he's better than this guy playing professional in Finland.
0: You said <laughs> it's that. Hilarious. You have said it's that before. Hilarious. I know you have. And but it's but it's but it is a thing that I think you mentioned it a couple years ago. And if the Leafs don't make the playoffs, that I think is going to be the biggest talking point, right? It, it's going to be on not just. You know, can your defensemen rush the puck and be great offensively? Well, that's one thing. But what are they like defensively? And as I said, that's what Carolina nailed down really, really quickly is we can have great defensemen who are offensively gifted, but they're also going to be really good without the puck, and that's why Carolina is this dominant possession team every year because they have defensemen that do that. They have defensemen that know exactly what they need to do in the defensive zone, and it means that you're not facing the kind of pressure that they give up. Shame that Dougie Hamilton broke his leg because he was having a great season. But it's like, it's Slavin, right? And Pesci, that's what they're good at. And that's what the Panthers just, they don't have a defenseman. Weger's the closest to it that is like that. And the Leafs certainly don't have that. Like, Muzzin's their best at it, but he isn't nearly as good as that, right?
1: No, not anymore. I mean, you just can't expect him to be. Just like you can't expect Strawman to be as good as he once was. No, you know?
0: I mean, he's not been bad, but, let's, but it's, it's the, 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 you need the different kinds of defensemen, and that's what I wonder how the league, how they're going to adapt to that. Because you look at the the Rangers are another example. Their defensemen play the same way. And that's why they stink defensively. Right? Because like, like, everybody does the same thing. Fox does the same thing. D'Angelo does the same thing. The Flyers do not have that issue. They actually have defensemen that do different things, which... I guess they figured it out.
1: Well, they just drafted a ton of defensemen and they Ad drafted, a ton, they drafted a ton of different type of, type of defensemen. defensemen
0: with different styles.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So what do you think about this? The flyers? Cause they are only one point back of the Panthers. They, they, they're starting. I think they figured it out a little now that they're playing at home. Uh, I watched a little of the game last night. That was an impressive defensive performance they put in. Uh, I don't know whether they're going to make it. Like I just like this Columbus game. It feels like it's just like they're going to fall off at some point because you can't continue to play the way they're playing and get goaltending like this, even though the system allows it. But like, do you think the Flyers are going to make it? Because I like I watched them last night and go, they, they 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 can.
1: I I think with the Flyers, the biggest issue is how. Long they can go into the season uh, with Giroux and Voracek playing the way they are and being able to play through uh, all the supporting cast injuries. Um, Obviously, you need Couturier to be this Sean Couturier, one of the best players in the NHL. Um, You know, like without him, they're not going anywhere. It's kind of like Barkov. Uh, or Huberto in Florida um, but they definitely need Giroux and Voracek to keep going and the one thing that they, I don't think they have been able to do is to put together a full regular season where they peak at the right time uh, and the rest of the team is healthy enough and uh, playing well enough to Get them into the playoffs. They,
0: they aren't going to be able to trade for Chris Kreider, but they probably should be. They need more. I think they need another thing on. No
1: offense. no one, no one wants Chris Kreider. He well, sucks. Well, uh, Chris that, Kreider
0: anyways. sucks. NHL All Star Chris Kreider, but they do need feels like
1: NHL backup defense. of a backup of a backup Chris Kreider. Correct,
0: but the, like it feels like the Panthers desperately need a defenseman. Well, the Flyers don't need that. What they need is they need something else on offense.
1: I mean, I, they need their top prospects to stop getting non-hockey injuries.
0: Oh, Nolan, oh, poor Nolan Patrick, Oscar, yeah, yeah that's yeah. kind of I sucks. mean
1: like that's 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 an issue. Um, uh, you know, like and I mean, they've been able to call up guys and and rotate through some guys that have played well. Uh the newest Ross, call up is yeah, the newest call is R- Yerman Yermen and uh, he hasn't played yet, but uh, I expect that he will get a game or two in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but Konechny's been has picked up the slack. You know, we talked about Voracek, uh, who's I think really taking and en- taking, you know, pick back up some. I don't know how, what what would you say. I don't want to say like he regained some form, but he definitely he, he, has bounced is, back. I think regained or...
0: form is the right way to put it because last year he was like, um, wait, how much money is he making again? And it's not like he's back to like dominant Voracek, but he's better now. And but I he can he...
1: turn it on and dominate yeah, shifts, and uh, you know when he he can make his line mates better again, and he's he's much more dynamic, and you know the Flyers need that because. I mean they're not Pittsburgh, it's not Pittsburgh bad and it's not like some some other teams but uh you know especially up front they're they're a little hobbled together they, um, they,
0: need, they need to make a trade for a forward they need to make a trade to get some offense in and 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 the reason why we talk about teams like Toronto and Columbus is is not just because the Panthers are competing with them but also it's just interesting because all these teams are in the same position there, for very different reasons
1: is there anyone out there on the trade market, though, I mean, I,
0: I don't even—I haven't even thought about it. like the trade market has been dead for about a month. But I think that there's something will happen. I just can't tell you what it is, though. It just—it feels like Kovalchuk, maybe. How funny would that be?
1: I mean, I would put Taylor Hall back on the market, but
0: well, you're—I
1: I mean, the, now of course since Florida was in Chicago uh, last night, there's the Duncan Keith, the Florida rumor. You know, oh, that's geez, obviously has no, to come back stop, out.
0: Stop! Stop! They can't fit him under the cap anyway, so it doesn't matter, but stop. Uh,
1: what if Chicago took Matheson? Uh, I wouldn't choose Keith.
0: Not in a million years. Uh, I would in
1: a million years.
0: I'm not. Keith is not good anymore. Um, He's better than
1: Matheson. I'm just saying if, you know, if that's well, what happens. Well, I know, happens.
0: I know, I know, but that always happens when the Panthers and Blackhawks plays. There's a silly rumor that comes Exactly,
1: out, so. exactly. That's why I'm not being too serious about it.
0: No, 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 no. no. Um, a couple of other things in the world of hockey I want to get to. Uh firstly, uh Vegas Golden Knights head coach Pete DeBoer.
1: <laughs> Why? I I mean, I think I think it's a shame that the Flyers ha- uh hired Vigneault and they're doing well because I mean, the the biggest thing I think would be if the Flyers just never won another game the rest of the season. Uh, fired Vigneault and got Gallant because I think Gallant would be the perfect Philadelphia coach.
0: Oh, I mean, you know the way that the way the physical game that they play, the players he likes, and the style. Yeah, that that's very Philly. The,
1: the, the way he's the way he is and his actions behind the bench, like his, you know.
0: He seems a little gruff. He seems very, gruff. Yeah. he's got a little South Philly in him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it would be uh, the right well, fit. I mean. <laughs> that's true. Um, and it's not like Glan's going back to Florida. So, no. uh, I mean, I, outside Seattle, I really don't see, I, I mean, I, I hope he gets a good job. I could see maybe could Minnesota see a, maybe, needing a new coach soon. Minnesota, or, I
0: could see the Red Wings maybe cause he's got connections with the Red Wings, but would he want to go through like, you know, a scorched earth rebuild, which is what's happening there. Um, by the way, no, he would head just head sit
1: team it team out team. or coach somewhere else as an assistant coach and say, Call yeah. me back. I
0: still think you should do Seattle. How funny would that be? 15 of the 31 teams in the league since the start of last season have changed their coach. Half the league. Serie A doesn't have coaches change that often.
1: Well, it is a product of the sour salary cap. It's harder well, yeah. to make changes in season, it's harder to change the roster. So when you have owners who are like, I'm spending all of this money, and if you want to keep getting a paycheck, you need to make a change and if you can't get players in by x date or if you can't make this change by x date we're gonna have to take out the coach and if you won't a, do a, it you
0: know what it's a product of it's a product of the cap not going up as much as it probably needs to now that's going to change really soon but... well
1: that's because of owners and the league's terrible tv deal with uh, comcast but that's
0: yeah. Well, also Seattle expansion fee.
1: Now, well, that's, that's been – well, the – so – but that's been the saving grace is the Vegas expansion fee in Vegas doing so well, making Seattle's expansion fee go even higher yep. and adding that revenue. Without that and without a new TV deal where they're going to be seeking multiple networks because they learned their lesson, um, I mean the original deal with Comcast – is the reason all of a sudden the cap flatlined is because they did two? they and, signed it. They signed it like it was Mike Richards and Jeff Carter. They'd right, signed they, you know, you right, know, they, they signed this deal where it was all, you know, it was a bunch of years for big money up front to get the no, cap hit, you know, of them. You know and, and that's, it was, it was, why the owner signed off on it i mean you know gary batman does what the owners want well, he doesn't really do what they, they don't to
0: pay to be on or they didn't have to pay to be on but they were in a, like a time like revenue sharing deal with nbc and persons <laughs> and it just didn't that like that was coming out the lockout and yeah so, to get what they so then
1: so they took day. they took the really big carrot but they now, they probably should have taken did, a smaller the lockout, carrot with smaller years too. Because halfway, now, through the, halfway through the contract, they realized they needed more carriers.
0: Oh, they're going to have that. I mean, NBC, yeah. I, if I'm going to have a prediction, um, it, it should be, for me, that NBC probably gets most of it, but then ESPN or Fox comes in and gets another, like, a quarter or a third of it. Like, that's what I think is going to happen, but I, I have no idea uh, in the negotiations. But we all know that the NHL is going to have that. Like, that, it's obvious. And also, you know, there's the world, there's a lot of other things. But that's but the, the cap's going to go up when all these things end up changing. Uh, but anyway, you're right about the coaching fire. Because just Pete DeBoer, he and Gallant hated each other last year. You saw it, right?
1: I, I don't understand what this man has done. Gallant has been an exceptional coach uh, over the last few years. He can't get a save. Uh, he can't and, tell
0: Mark andre Fleury to save a puck.
1: Well, I mean – yes and no but if you just why would you turn like even if you look at take that out of the equation they're still they're still fighting for the top of the division uh they went to the cup in the first year they were very competitive in the playoffs the second year he's made a roster that everyone pegged for bottom I, of I the predicted Vegas
0: to make the stanley cup final this year i believe
1: yeah, but, I mean, like, when he took this roster, you know, it, he he built a team, he built a culture, he did so much for Vegas, and for them to just, you know, the first time any adversity happens in the franchise for the owner, uh, the GM, to do this, that, I, I mean... It doesn't bode well for them. I mean, they traded a lot of draft picks. They, they put a lot into this, and I think they're harming their chances of winning in the immediate future by doing this because, I'm going to be honest with you, there's no way the players wouldn't prefer to play for Gallant versus DeBoer. There's no way. I think so. I mean, DeBoer is, uh, you know, liked enough, but definitely not as well-liked as Gallant. I think Gallant mm-hmm. is definitely probably one of the most well-liked coaches in oh, yeah, my Gallant. lifetime.
0: Gallant and Quenville are up there as two of, like, the most liked coaches by their players you will ever see. And it's not like, you know, what people said about Babcock while behind the scenes Mike Babcock being a lunatic. It's like, no, we genuinely like him, and we're going to tell you how much we like him, and you can tell, right? Because you don't see players speak with the reverence that they did for Gallant and and Quenville in in the same way. Um, And it's also just because DeVore came from the Sharks and all that, and it's just... I mean, it's an amazing how those things turn. And it's not like they've gotten results immediately because they picked up like three out of eight points on this road trip. So good luck with that, Vegas. Now, the good news is they're in the Pacific, which has a bunch of bad teams in it. So that's, that's, that's funny. Uh, speaking of teams making a change, when you heard that the Devils fired Ray Shiro and you read some of the reporting on that story, did you not go, wait a minute, I've seen this movie before,
1: Mm, no, I I think that that'd be making too much of the narrative. I think that there was, I don't want to say this, but I think that there was intentional framing or unintentional framing due to habits of frame of past framing.
0: Oh, so you're telling me Darren Dreger would eh, disingenuous there with the framing well, of that story? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think it's. I mean, look, I I, I think whether there was issues or not issues with the advanced stats, that department or whatever in Ray Shiro, at the end of the day, whether it had anything to do with advanced stats or not, when there's people inside a front office that don't get along and are distrustful of each other or feel like they're being disrespected disrespected in a way, it's not going to work out. And usually it's then up to the person who writes the checks to pick who they want to move forward with because somebody has to go. And there's tons of reasons
0: that needed to be blown up. So, I mean, it's not like, I mean,
1: yeah, I mean, there was Shiro came in as a caretaker GM and you know, he didn't He they got to the point where they wanted a different GM and that's kind of what you expected. I don't think I don't think that this was as much of an issue as it's played out to be. I think it was kind of just well certain people were tired of waiting to to take the team in the next direction and they didn't want to wait till the end of the year and that's probably what happened. And you know there was probably some people that wanted to, you know, give Shiro Till the end of the year and everything because you know that's he's earned it he's ray shiro you know that kind of stuff and there
0: is something refreshing about making a decision. that's the way it's usually done to, you know hockey convention with it but my the thing that i think about, and somebody said like the new jersey and florida situation from a couple of years ago were the same like they are 100 percent different because the devils were bad the panthers made changes because you know vinnie viola and doug sifu got over eager and got a twitchy trigger finger and said, somebody whispered sweet nothings in their ear, said, we can make you win faster, and they believed it. So they're very different situations. But I mean, my hope for the Devils is they find a way to balance everything together in their front office, which they clearly didn't do here. Uh, it's really hard to do. Not many teams have been able to strike that balance yet. Um, I wonder whether they're going to be able to do that, but they're not good. They have a long way to go before they get a winning team. Yeah,
1: but I mean, I think a lot of... You know, was it Shiro's fault that they had Taylor Hall and they had to try to win now versus doing a proper rebuild? You know,
0: I guess. I guess. Was the same it as was like...
1: it Shiro's fault that Edmonton was willing to give up Taylor Hall for that price? You know, like it, it's you know like once you got Taylor Hall, the whole thing changed, and then you had to try to balance getting top at picks with trying to compete to keep Taylor Hall in town and to use the most of Schneider before he fell off and then he falls off. And I
0: mean, they don't really address the goaltending issues. Well, yeah, because they
1: haven't addressed, you know, the devils literally have done two things with goaltending in the last three decades. And that's play Martin Brodeur and trade for Corey Schneider. And they, yeah, they got Mackenzie Blackwood and Keith Kincaid was okay for a little bit, but you know, like that's not, Uh, they didn't really plan ahead for either Burdur or the um, Schneider situations. And that's on Shiro too. I mean, like there was, I wasn't very surprised. You kind of saw it coming. I think what happens is when there's people who've been in an industry for so long and there's a lot of people who respect him and uh, I don't want to say carry water for him, but, you know. They, there's always going to be the. There's there's going to be some dirt and dust kicked up on the way out the door. You know, like it's not. There's there's a lot of ego in, in that position and uh, in, in this in in that industry. You know, like it's. Oh yeah. So it's I you know, when you get when you get people who are internally want to make a change and then the change happens and the person doesn't want to leave. It's, or, you know, didn't really want to be a part of the change. It's obviously they parted ways because that's, you know,
0: corporate she, speak for, um, you know, yeah. it wasn't as bad as you thought it was. It's corporate, corporate
1: speak was. for like, he's high enough and respected enough that we can't fire quote unquote use the word fired, you know, like it's,
0: uh, yeah. But I, I mean for me the, the, the thing it was just like it was messy and it's just it's a, it's a, it's an organization that doesn't know what it is. You know what I mean? You know what it, I mean? Like the, the Gallant
1: leadership? the Gallant thing I think is messier and
0: Well, the thing about Bill Foley that I think we're learning is, you know, like good ownership is hands off in many ways. Like you can have a good hands on owner, but you know, like who's the, what's the best run team in the NHL right now? Who would you say? Like the Lightning? Jeff Vinnick, you don't hear a word from him right? He hires people and he lets them do their thing. Who else is, is pretty well run right now? Like the Cowboys. Well, I mean, don't...
1: you can say the same thing with Boston, but that's because their well, owner yeah, too busy. Jeremy Jacobs is only hands on. He's hands on, hands on with the league. He leaves his team alone. He's up in the yeah. league offices doing all that.
0: Uh, correct. <laughs> but also like, what about, you know, like, I mean, Washington, you don't hear a ton from Leonsis every day. You know what I mean? Like, and, and and the fact – what what Vinny Viola did to sign Quenville was the move, right? He said, I'm going to pay you all this money. I trust in this guy. Now can you go win? And we haven't heard squat from ownership since, which is good. That's what you want to do. And good ownership finds a way to empower the right people to succeed. What I don't think the New Jersey Devils have figured out, they have the same owners as the Sixers, and they went with the process with Sam Hankey for a million years. You know and Crystal that. Palace. Yeah, and the Crystal Palace, yes, who are not actually doing that badly this year. Good for them, even though they're managed by a you know a pensioner, somebody who should be on an AARP card. Um, it, they got tickets and tired of that, and then they hired Jerry Colangelo, you know, because there was just too much losing and too much pressure. And then now they have Elton Brand as their GM, and you know he's a good public face of that team. But what are the devils going to do? Like, are they going to hire Marty Bordeaux as the president who does the speaking engagement and kisses the babies? And Tom Fitzgerald is the guy that, you know, makes the signings? Or are they going to hire, like, are they going to make Dello the GM? Like, what is their vision? What do they want to be? What does their, what do they want their identity to be? Like, the Leafs have an identity now with Kyle Dubas and Brendan Shanahan. You know, whatever you want to say about the Panthers, they have an identity too. Talon and Quenville is their identity. Right, And other good teams, like the Capitals have an identity, the Penguins have an identity, the Bruins have an identity, and the Lightning have an identity. Like Good teams know what they are and embrace it. The Devils, since they lost all of those great players, we don't know what they are. That's an interesting thing. Right?
1: That's, that's the problem with making that switch in the middle of the year. You don't have the ability to put that together before you play hockey games. You have to Play hockey games while you're building that, and while you're trying uh, to
0: decide what your vision is. Yeah,
1: I mean, and you don't even know if the, it's going to be Fitzgerald. You don't, I mean, like you, like you said, you don't even know who's going to be the steward. Um, and
0: like, what structure do you want? Because you can win with a lot of different structures. You just have to empower it properly. And that's what I said. Like, I don't think that they th- have I, any clue right now what they want. That structure I
1: think to be. that they do have a clue. I think that they have an idea, and I think um they're going to play they're going to test it out right now with um the actors that they have and then make hiring decisions based off how that goes um and i think
0: but what can you learn this season like did you get a good return for Sammy Votnin? like you know like is is that the way you want to judge it might be the only way they can but
1: yeah i mean but it it's I'm going to give them there's also a lot of hey this is what we want to do these are the types of people we're looking at these are where we're sending our scouts these are where you know
0: i mean it can there's, work. A, there's a because lot you there vision, you need ideas and you need to have a plan and i hope for the devil's sake they find it because the most frustrating thing to watch with sports teams is to go in with no plan and no ideas just flailing and putzing around. And uh, I hope stars.
1: they. I hope they continue to suck. We don't need more good teams. I Panthers mean, need to win the cup. We need okay. less good teams.
0: Okay, fine. In that regard, yes. But uh, for uh, you know what I mean. But um, other, other NHL things. This is the All Star game. I, I'm, I mean, I'm gonna watch it because I want to see what the dude perfect shooting from the stands looks like. Because it could oh, be God. a complete disaster.
1: Just is it is it really sponsored by?
0: No, it's not sponsored by Do Perfect. Uh, I was
1: gonna say that would be so NHL.
0: It's not sponsored by Barstool. That's a good thing. (laughs) Barstool tried to sponsor a college football bowl game, and then someone stepped in and said, "No, you can't do that." So instead, we're gonna sponsor. uh, We're gonna have a company sponsor a bowl game that has done some really horrible predatory lending things. Just a matter of which flavor of bad you want. Um, I mean, I'm interested to see what it looks like. I want to see the. They want the the capitalist kind. That'll be cool. Yeah. The women's three on three thing will be nice.
1: Yeah, I wish they'd let them play against the men. Oh, you men. know what? You and mean, I don't, I don't know if it's, I don't well, think it's don't the players that a lot have it. There's age. a lot of trap, yeah.
0: trap doors involved if they do that. But yeah. I mean, but it like, would be, it would be,
1: be, be interesting. interesting.
0: I'd, I'd kill for that too. There are a lot of good, amazing female players out there, and I think that you know it'll be a lot of fun to watch them play against one another.
1: Yeah, you or you could just do mixed teams, like just have them on the ice together.
0: Yeah, have like next year when Sasha Barkov is the captain, he can draft Monique Lamoureux.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like just have put put, I I don't want to say put them on teams, like, but you know what I mean. Like just play together because it's three on that. three. They're not like you know. Hey, they're all just there to grow the game, and I think that's what would what would be accomplished by doing that. Like well, it I just makes too much sense of, to the me.
0: Shooting from the stands is going to be cool. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. I just hope it doesn't completely screw Get, up.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think they uh, they'll have some good stuff in Florida uh, by the uh, oh, skills concert. competition. <laughs>
0: Pitbull concert.
1: You got to shoot over the crocodiles and the Pitbull concert.
0: Yes. No, uh, you have to shoot. No. The great idea was that, is this Pitbull or is this Steve Goldstein? It's the joke that I've made forever and I will continue to make it. Not that I don't love you, Goldie. It's just that you kind of look like Pitbull. So it's, it's okay. One of, the, uh, one of them. They, is they both in one sound of- like
1: Pitbull because whatever it is, I just turn it off when I hear it.
0: Dale. Well, actually, no. One of them is a Jewish guy from New York, and the other is not that. But they're both, you know, kind of bald. So, well, I mean, but I mean, like as I said, like, I think it could be interesting. I want to see how it plays out. Because next year, they're going to go away from the three-on-three of the divisions. I think they want to do a Ryder Cup style, like North America versus the world or something like that, which won't be as fun unless they bring in the women, and they should. But again, the show would never do that, so i'm interested to see what i'm just like i can't think of what the all-star game like the all-star game is not a tv event nobody likes them anymore they're not fun to watch they don't mean the same as they used to because now you can see everybody every night um but as i said the nhl what they're really good at is putting on events that are great in local communities even if they have no impact outside of them like that's what all the outdoor games are they're great local events but they don't translate to TV. You know like a lot of sporting yeah. leagues are great at putting on events that really show well on TV. They might not really mean much to the local community. The NHL is the opposite. It's like, you know, the the, the all-star game is going to be great fun for Broward County, but on TV who's going to give a crap? No one is. You know? Yep. But like I'm with that's you. the thing.
1: Same with the draft, I mean.
0: The draft is
1: Although the draft is great on TV
0: too. Oh, the draft is a lot of fun on TV. It's even more fun when you're there. I mean, yes. I've, yeah. I, I've been to two of them. You and you know, we were, we, there were a lot of fun on TV and people were like, oh, they didn't sell out the draft. I'm like, no, the Panthers gave out free tickets to the draft and the entire upper bowl was filled. Every, there was a huge crowd. A lot of people wanted to be there and people were like, I haven't seen that many Canadians. I'm like, well, no, I think that the South Florida, the Panthers fans loved it. You know, like, as I said, like next year, that building seats 20,000 you'll put 20,000 in the building for that game and if the Panthers are good enough and you have Barkoff and Uberdo playing together then you'll you'll be fine no issue with that like there and and again like if you're if you're gonna theme this event theme it to South Florida you can theme it as Miami as you want even though it's not in Miami but the players will take the Ubers to Miami even though it's like 45 minutes away from sunrise but they'll do it still and as I said like like play it up, have fun with it. Like like the NHL starting to figure out that oh, if we're going to do these events, we should theme them locally and have them be kind of, you know, like not this generic template we can put down everywhere. You know, they're they're not like that as much anymore, and that's good. So let's see. And I hope it, I hope it works. I, I really do because I, I you know when George I, I kept thinking you know like when are, when is they gonna get an All Star game? It's so destined that the Panthers are getting an All Star game, and now they finally have it, and it could and be the last. This is Panther
1: the test. Market. This is the test market for, um, you know, can they take the next step and get into the next rung of nhl events
0: can they be yeah can they be as i said i don't think they're gonna host an outdoor game at hard rock even though i would kill for them to do it this is i as i said maybe it's not next year but in a year or two after that can they like as i said like if they also if they play the lightning in the playoffs that would help a ton because i don't think the other there's any other outdoor game that would make sense for the state of florida than panthers lightning like, that's, that's the game that they want. The other outdoor game the Panthers could play in is the one that they want to do at Army, which I know the Panthers would be highly interested in doing that because, of course, they would. But anyway, uh, in terms of, yeah, it's just like, can this Panthers team, like, again, that's how important the end of the season is. This is a chance where they can prove a lot to themselves. I'm interested to see what they do, and I'm intrigued about what is, what is coming. It, 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 what I said is I don't know whether the Panthers are good, but I do know they're entertaining. They're an entertaining team to watch. They're an entertaining team to talk about because there's a lot of things you can talk about with them. And that, I think, again, there's something to be said for the Panthers being that instead of being what they used to be, which was just boring bad, right?
1: It is definitely better than that.
0: It is, it is much better than that. Is there any other hockey thing you'd like to – we didn't talk about Kachuk and Cassian, but I don't really –
1: I don't want to talk about Kachuks ever. They're, they're the worst
0: ah but then it's gonna be st louis so this weekend in the all-star game you're gonna hear a lot about Kachuk's.
1: um i'm probably not gonna watch the all-star game oh, you know like what, i don't what
0: is this weekend nothing's actually this weekend maryland indiana basketball is on sunday very excited about actually no i'm not it's a maryland road game god help me
1: and and don't freak out that riley stillman got loaned back to the ahl he's it's... flying during the all-star break exactly so he's
0: playing a t- he needs to play a ton of games it's yeah, so, and, and, not a big deal. Off for twelve days, it's fine. Most obviously,
1: Montembeau went down with him, uh, and I think that was it.
0: Yeah, that, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. And also, I'm really excited for Sasha Barkov to get a break. Because you remember him saying, like, it's great if I go to the All Star game, it's awesome. If not, I get to relax on the beach for twelve days.
1: It's that long, huh? Twelve days.
0: It's from. It is from last night to the twelfth. Uh, no, no, no. The the first of February, whatever the Saturday is. I think it's the first of February. So that means it is like eleven days. I might have given it one, but it's a long, it's a long way, and so that that's good. I appreciate that. But you know, I want to say one thing on on Quenville before we go. Unless there's anything else you want to have, um, because this has been a long show. We wanted to get everything in. guest show next week. By the way, good <laughs> guests. We have some ideas. Trust me, we'll have a, some really intriguing stuff for you next week. But. <coughs> The one thing I want to say about, as I said about Quenville, it's like the Panthers, they've tried to get the coach. You know, they had Keenan, but he was past his sell-by date. They had Mark Tan and people like that. But the, the thing about Joel Quenville that, as I said earlier in the show, and maybe it makes you appreciate it a little bit more because we're just coming off the game of return to Chicago, is just that we always hear about like all the negatives about coaching, right? Bill Peters and Babcock. Joel Quenville is a pretty old-school guy, but I don't know if you read that Mark Lazarus piece on Quenville right? And I think he used it like drill sergeant between the whistles and country club after them. Like, it makes sense. Like, just Joel Quindle seems like the kind of guy that adapts with the way the league is going. He understands what the players need and demand. He gets the best out of them. And he's a guy that all the players, not I respect, like they'd want to have a beer with. And it is really rare you see a coach like that. It's also really rare to see a coach like that coach your team and I could, you could tell from the way that the Blackhawks players talked about him, but you think about the way that the Panthers players talk about him, it, 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 is, it is one of those things where you, you see it from afar, you go, wow, that's pretty amazing. But then you see it up close and you go, it's even better than you imagine, right? And for all of the bad things the Panthers have done with coaches, hiring Joel Quenville and paying all that money was one of the, you know, I think no matter what happens going forward, it was one of the best decisions they made in a long time that gave them legitimacy and also proved to everybody that this is what this team could be and you know to hire joel Quenville offered that legitimacy and, and you can see what happens right now right because this is a group that under mediocre coaches was a mediocre team they still have a mediocre roster but they're not playing like a mediocre team right now they have faults but they're rising above those faults and that is what joel Quenville's really good at and I can't say it enough. It's like you watch these press conferences. The honesty is great because we killed Bob Boogner for not being honest and focusing on things that shouldn't, you know, that you know, this call could have gone that way. Or we ran into a hot goalie. So Quenville's not like that. And, you know, that's when you watch a, the one of the best coaches ever do their job and do it incredibly well. Like, it's kind of amazing to, to be a part of that and just to watch it from the outside and, you know, I, I'm sure, like, you're, you're feeling the same way. It's like, he, he is even better than you thought he was going to be.
1: Well, I mean, I just hope that Florida players start playing defense for him well, or they yes, won't be I mean, playing I mean, for him for, for really a while because, get, get I mean, that's, that's all I'm, all I'm but saying. But, is, even,
0: but even then, but, for Joel Quentin, I, I think,
1: like, yeah, I mean, like, it's – I mean, I'm, I really like him everything. I, I don't really just have – anything more to really say about it.
0: Uh, I just, I just, yeah. it, it's just because of what the time it is and you read and I read, but that I profile. don't, you it, know, it got me to thinking about it in a way that I haven't thought about it before, you know, cause when we did our podcast, when they, when they, when they hired him, it was a, it was a huge deal. It was a, you know, it was from a very Panther centric, like, this is a statement of intent. They're proving that they're giving a crap, you know, they're going to spend money. It wasn't from the, Oh, Quenville's going to give them, it, it was part of it, but the primary discussion from our lens was very Panthers organizational centric, not Quenville, you know? And now I think about it much more from a Quenville perspective and you go like, again, it's it's better than advertised. And I, I respect the coach, but it's like, as I said, it also, when you frame it vis-a-vis Peters and Babcock and all these other coaches that have bad reputations, I've never heard anybody say a bad thing about Quenville, and it's and you can see why, and that that's what and and that may be me, the sports writer, in me looking for stories like that. But I don't know. I I just find it when also because the Panthers' history is filled with Bob Boomers and Tom Rose, and then Joe Quenville. It's like, boy, were yeah. they even I mean, doing the same job? They they just got lucky
1: that Quinville Oh, wanted to come to, to know, south florida yeah i mean that's hey, that's what it takes but he
0: he appreciated it wasn't as much of I, I just
1: don't think it was as much of a decision of hiring him as it was you know he being willing to pony up the money when when he said oh. hey i want to co- coach for you guys and you said okay which i i think you you'd be
0: okay you'd be stupid if, not to, but- if they, could, if,
1: they, if they didn't sign Quinville, uh, and you found out that Quinville wanted to go there and they just that didn't want to put out the money, disaster. I would have been flying a banner over the, so yeah, the arena.
0: By the way, that, that will not be called the BB&T. It might be called the Truist Center very soon because banks merged. Anyway, I'm always going to call it the... I should still call it the National Car Rental Center because that's maybe what it actually is or was it, it was also called the blockbuster center at one point definitely
1: a spirit <laughs> it's spirit animal spirit
0: no we should just call it the crocodile Island. by the oh. way i'm going to make the end this podcast and this is this one's for jeff merrick um he always tells the story of having to do he did ringside for a hockey night game once in florida and he always talked about going to the pf changs at sunrise it's still there so congratulations hockey writers you get to go to sawgrass mills and eat at that wonderful pf changs and if that's too full go to grand lux instead
1: Good deal.
0: Maybe we'll be at the All Star Game next year. Uh, anyway, maybe the whole hold the whole thing at the War Memorial in Fort Lauderdale. Who knows? But anyway, it was a great. It was a great show. Happy. Free gritty. Yeah, free gritty. Oh yes, definitely free gritty. Somebody texted me about that during the show.
1: It's 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 definitely a sham. It's definitely some it some stupid like South have you, seen, have you
0: seen gritty doing the things he did during like the Flyers Pride Nights? Gritty would never do such a horrible thing. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm embarrassed on behalf of Gritty by the way on, on February 8th when the Panthers host a Pride Night when we come to that next show expect me to spend 30 minutes talking about all the things they could have done and didn't do fair enough well, you can you can you can you can give me that one
1: yeah I mean I'll just put you on mute it's not a big deal for no, me Oh,
0: don't, don't put me on mute you
1: have to do um, the thing first uh, really?
0: anyway Good night, good hockey, and uh, Jonathan Huberto, Please prove to everybody how amazing you are, so that um you're not. I say he, I
1: game say game. he just gets as drunk as can usually gets.
0: Well, uh, actually, you know what? If you're Jonathan Huberto, yeah, go hog wild, and then you and Barkov can then do that next year, and um you'd have the best story ever. I don't know. If, I don't know. Here's a question that I, I think there is no answer to: Is is Jonathan Huberto – um has ever been drunk? Has he ever been drunk before? <laughs> You just look at him, you no. go, like, has, has he ever had too many drinks?
1: No, because Jonathan Huberto is naturally on top of his game at all times. He I don't know. Barkov's
0: Russian, so I think he probably has. Wouldn't you want to see a buddy cop movie with those two?
1: I mean, I would see anything with Barkov in no. it. Is I, mean, I, I I watch a lot of stuff with Barkov in it that's not good. So
0: Pavel Barber stuff?
1: No, no, just well, I mean yes, but I, I I know
0: what I know what you mean, but I had to, I had to point that out, but uh, as I said, if they got to go to the All-Star game, it would have been, like, a,
1: tape here.
0: It would have been like the best friends that anybody could have kind of thing. Cuz you read that Huberto profile from George Richards and you were going like, "Oh my god, these two are having these two have the best chemistry ever." I'm not going to say what thought just came into my head because I can't do that, but anyway. Good night and good hockey. Please keep winning, Panthers, when we come back from the All-Star break.
1: Yes, please do.